Amen. Isn't that wonderful that the Lord is only a prayer away, no matter, no matter where we are, no matter what we're going through. He's right there, and we have direct access to him, <clears throat> and that is a miracle. It's the miracle of God that we have direct access to him in prayer. Well, the psalmist talks about crying out to the Lord as we look at Psalm 119, verses 145 to 160. This is our next to last message on Psalm 119. We're looking at two stanzas, two sets of eight verses here. And verses 145 to 160. And we see repeatedly the psalmist in these verses saying, Hear me, O Lord, hear me. Or talking about crying out to the Lord. Look at verse 145. I cry out with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I cry out to you. Save me and I will keep your testimonies. I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. My eyes are awake through the night watches that I may meditate on your word. Hear my voice according to your loving kindness. O Lord, revive me according to your justice. They draw near who follow after wickedness. They are far from your law. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. Consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Revive me according to your word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great are your tender mercies, O Lord. Revive me according to your judgments. Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. I see the treacherous and am disgusted because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. You see several themes in, in these verses that really are reflected throughout the psalm. One is the thing of crying out to God. Asking God to hear and asking God to provide what he needs. And then you see the theme of revive me. We've talked about that before and that is all through this psalm. We see it here three or four times. Revive me, O Lord. And then the emphasis on the word of God enduring forever is repeated both at the end at the end of both of these stanzas, actually. And so these are themes that ought to be themes of our lives as Christians uh, day after day and throughout the course of our life that we cry out to the Lord. We ask the Lord for what we need. We trust him. 
We ask him to revive us and to help us to be renewed in our walk with him. And then standing on the firm foundation of his word. One writer said, life in a world like this drains away vital life forces. It is easy to find yourself depleted of the inner spiritual strength that you need. Have you ever felt that way? Just kind of depleted, worn out? Uh, there for a while you heard the, the term of uh, burnout was a thing that people talked about a lot. And I remember Dr. Harold Songer, who was a professor at Southern Seminary, he said, it's okay to want to quit ministry on Sunday night as long as you go back to work on Monday morning. Uh, so it's going to come. You're going to feel depleted. You're going to feel tired. Uh, sometimes it's physical things that will deplete our energy. Uh, if you've been sick or if you are sick, you can often feel very discouraged. That's part of that. Or if you've had things happen in your life, the loss of, of a job, the loss of a family member, uh, all of those things can really knock us down. But we can turn to the Lord. And just like we go through those things, that psalmist uh, and it very likely was David. David went through these things. Ups and downs. Failures. Great successes. It's part of life. But we need to turn to the Lord. And he says there in verse 145, cry out to God with your whole heart. In other words, your whole being, all of who you are. Not just going through some routine or some some rote thing that you're just going through the motions. This is really a, a, the, a, the real you. You're giving yourself over to crying out to God and trusting in Him. I cry out, he says, with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord. Sometimes when you cry out to God, you're not even quite sure what to say. That's okay. God knows your thoughts. He knows your, what you're going through. But the very fact that you cry out to him, if, you just, if all you can say is, Lord, hear me. Lord, I'm here. I need you to hear me. Then that may be all you can say, but it's enough. Because God knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in your mind. Really, prayer is not informing God of anything he doesn't know, is it? Uh, he already knows. But he wants us to come to him. Because he is pleased with that. It honors him. It glorifies him. It lifts him up. And he knows what it does for us. There's something very powerful about reviewing life in the presence of God. Uh, talking over what's going on in your life before God, telling Him. Uh, it's not that He doesn't know, but when we tell Him, it changes us. It can change the very act of that. He works with His power to change our perspective, to bring to mind things that we have not thought about. And so even in the process of telling Him, He is doing His work of help and grace 
and power. All of who you are, cry out to God with your whole heart, recognizing who God is and that without him, there is no help to be found. When we come to that place, when we know that without God, there is no help, that's where we need to be. We come to the end of ourselves, and that's where we find the power and the help of God. We recognize that only God can save. He says in verse 146, I cry out to you, save me, and I will keep your testimonies. He's the only one who can save, isn't he? We appeal to him for his mercy. We appeal for mercy because we know we need it. We realize our need. And he's the only one who has the mercy and grace to give us. Our love for God's word does not create merit. Our love for God opens our hearts so that we can receive his grace as we trust him and as we depend upon him. And declaring our love for for God and for his word, that doesn't mean we perfectly obey his word, but we recognize that his word is powerful and it is true. And we line ourselves up with him. And if there's anything that's not right, God will show it to us as we look at our lives in the light of his word and his goodness. And so we offer our devotion and our commitment to the Lord. And that's what the psalmist is doing. Look what he says there in verse 147. I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. I hope in your word. It's a good time to pray when you start your day, isn't it? Now, if you work the night shift and you get up at uh, 7 o'clock in the evening and get ready to go to work, that's, that's the beginning of your day. That's a good time to review your life in the presence of God and to pray and trust Him and ask Him to help you for that day. Whenever you begin your day, that's a wonderful thing to start it in the presence of God, relying upon Him. Now, in this case, the psalmist said he was crying out early in the morning, before the dawning, because he says in verse 148, my eyes are awake through the night watches, that I may meditate on your word. He had spent time in the night. He was awake in the night. You know, if you find yourself awake in the middle of the night and you can't sleep and you determine to just get up, that's a wonderful time to read the Bible because God will speak to you. And if you're awake because you're worried about something, there's no better thing to do than to let God speak to your heart. And it's amazing when you open the Bible to read it, he often leads you to the place that will say what you need to hear. And some time in prayer and meditation on his word, uh, that's, that's a great remedy. It doesn't mean that everything suddenly goes away that we're dealing with, but it helps us get our perspective right as we come to him and to his word. Cry out to God for renewal and strength. We see the psalmist doing that. He cries out for God's help. And he cries out for renewal three times. He says, 
revive me, O Lord. And he says it elsewhere in this psalm. Actually, 11 times in this psalm, we find him saying, revive me. Four of them in these two stanzas. And it's worth noting that the more he meditated on God's word, the more he prayed for God to revive him. The more we open ourselves to what God's word says, the clearer we see ourselves for who we really are. And so uh, rather than the, the more you read God's word, the better you feel about yourself and the more reliant you think, self-reliant you can be. No, it doesn't work that way. The more you open yourself to God's word, the more you know you need to depend on him rather than self. And we throw ourselves on his mercy and on his grace. And that's what we see increasingly as this psalm builds to the end Again and again, revive me, revive me, O Lord. The Hebrew word is translated in different ways. This word for revive me. Some translations say quicken me, quicken me, which means to enliven or to renew the life within. Some translate it, as we have seen tonight, revive. Others translate it preserve life. And some even translate it as save. The bottom line is that it means to experience renewal within, which permeates our entire being, our entire life. And this, of course, is the work of God and through his spirit, using the word of God to renew us, to revive us, to quicken us and help us. To have the strength to live the life that he wants us to live. So in verse 149, verse 154, 156, and again in 159, we see him crying out for renewal and for strength. Verse 159, consider how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. God wants to do that. He's willing to do that. And when we come to him and open ourselves to him like this psalmist did, he will revive us, renew us. And then finally cry out to God in total reliance on his word. Back to the word. Verses 151 and 152. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. Concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them. That's a really interesting verse, isn't it? Concerning your testimonies, concerning your word, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. Now, some take this as being uh, when he says of old, meaning that the psalmist is writing this from the perspective of older age. And so that would work against the idea that this is a young psalmist who wrote this. But rather, he is saying that after having lived his life and gone through the experience of life from the perspective of old age, he is able to say, you have founded them forever. But others say that this is he's just affirming 
that the word of God is from, it's from of old. It is eternal, in other words, and that it is founded forever. Let me read to you what Charles Spurgeon said about this verse, about uh, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. David found of old that God had founded them of old and that they would stand firm throughout all ages. It is a very blessed thing to be so early taught of God that we know substantial doctrines even from our youth. Those who think that David was a young man when he wrote this psalm will find it rather difficult to reconcile this verse with the theory. It is much more probable that he was now grown gray and was looking back upon what he had known long before. He knew at the very first that the doctrines of God's word were settled before the world began, that they had never altered and never could by any possibility be altered. He had begun by building on a rock, by seeing that God's testimonies were founded that is, grounded, laid as foundation, settled and established, and that with a view to all the ages that should come, during all the changes that should intervene, it was because David knew that he had su- it was because David knew this, that he had such confidence in prayer and was so dedicated to it. It is sweet to plead immutable promises with an immutable God. It was because of this that David learned to hope. Now listen to this closing thought. A man cannot have much expectation from a changing friend, but he well may have confidence in a God who cannot change. And so God's word being founded, being founded forever, it's not going to change. Now, this, this, this causes great consternation as time passes and as cultures change because people want God's word in their own sinfulness to change to suit whatever they want it to say. And we, we see that happening all around us, don't we? That's why there are more people all the time. They don't want to hear what God's word has to say because it isn't saying what they want to hear. But it isn't going to change. It's never going to change because it is founded forever. It is of old. It is eternal. And so it is not for the word of God to change. It is for us to be changed by it. And whether there's one who faithfully follow or whether there's a billion, the word of God remains the same. And as the closing part of uh, the second stanza there, verse 160, the entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Every one. And so it's never going to be, there's never going to be a time when God's word needs to be updated. Now we may become so updated in our thinking. That we don't think we need God. I hope that never happens to anybody here. We are seeing it happen 
more and more to people around us. But God's word will stand forever. And it is in its entirety truth. It is left to us whether we will embrace truth or break ourselves against it. Uh, The choice is up to us. We proclaim the truth of God's love because God will change us and make us so that we love his word if we'll open our hearts to him. And I still believe there are many people in our world, if they just knew the truth, if they just knew the truth and knew how much God loved them, they will embrace it. So we have to keep sharing him with the world around us so that more people will come to know him. But again, whether there are many or whether there are few, God's word remains true and it will remain the same. Every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. How else could it be? Because God is the same. The Bible says Our Lord Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And therefore, His Word is consistent with who He is. And so, let us cry out to God. And to do it in total reliance on His Word. It's not a shifting foundation that we build our life on. It remains true. It remains settled. It remains the same. And therefore, we can trust completely in the Lord. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the truth of this psalm. And we will spend the rest of our lives reviewing what you say in these wonderful verses. We pray, Lord, that it will constantly come to mind that we need to cry out to you. And know that you will hear us. That we need to review our lives in your presence. Day by day. And as we do. You can show us. The truth about ourselves. And the truth about you. We pray Lord that you'll help us. To be open to the work of your spirit. That we might truly depend upon you. And you alone. Thank you Lord for each one here tonight. Among us here there may be those who need to make a commitment to you tonight. It may be public. It may be private. Perhaps you've spoken to us. And we know your word and your spirit have urged us to make a commitment to you. Perhaps to pray more, to open our minds and speak to you. Or maybe to read your word. Whatever you impress upon us, Lord, may we leave here tonight dedicated in the way that you would lead us. Thank you for your presence and for your work now in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.